Shut up and sit down. I'm totally gonna go vegan this season. You shaved your legs? Does shaving your legs really make a difference? Man, shaved legs make such a difference. Look at that guy with the hairy legs. You are listening to The Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Optional listening required. Totally going vegetarian this season. Eating is cheating, man. I think protein is really gonna help me out in my season. Hey, man, do you have a gel? Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Fondering, and I'm here with Matt LeGrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking... I'm not going to lie. You're not looking that great. You're not looking that great today, guys. Some of you're us are looking little, uh... fan-freaking-tastic. That's how you're looking, okay? <laughs> right on. Um, coming to us over the uh, Verizon Network again, Lance Friggin' Hepler. Lance Friggin' Hepler coming at you from Fountain Hills, Arizona. Look at that sunshine and palm Verizon sponsorship and, and sunshine. Suck it. That's Suck it. Freaking <laughs> Hepler. <laughs> hey guys, guess what? I got a question for you. What's everybody drinking today? What? What? Special oh. guest. Special guest. <laughs> special oh. Also coming to us over the Verizon network, Mr. Evan Price. From beautiful, absolutely icy, S-H-I-T hole. <laughs> Vancouver, Washington. God, I hate you, Lance. <laughs> On my trainer in my garage, which is about 45 degrees, balmy 30 degrees outside. Oh, guys, this is just great. I'm drinking five bottles worth of sugar here. What are you guys drinking? Um, same thing as Matt. What you drinking, Matt? Bubbly. Actually, have I picked up a couple of these at the grocery store before the storm? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the storm. It was weird. Like this, we've got a storm going on here. I guess we should mention that in the podcast. But the uh, like an ice storm. But it was weird. Like it kind of came in soft, and they like canceled everything, and then it got bad. Yeah. And then they're like, "Well, we got to keep canceling <laughs> right. stuff." Yeah, we wake up every day to another announcement. Oh, by the way, everything is shut down. And and, the, and it was like there was no problem for the first day or two. Yeah, what are we on day three now? This is the third day in a row of us being like encrusted in, in ice, but we had a snowstorm but, but, prior to that. Yeah, but it was like five days of cancellation or whatever. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun one. I, I know that my house is probably surrounded by a good inch, inch and a half of uh, ice right now. Yep. <laughs> About that. It just keeps like, accumulating. Oh. And it started to warm up and you started to see some rain coming from the sky and it stopped, you know, being freezing rain. And we're like, oh, sweet. We're going to finally start to unthaw. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Yeah. Mother Nature's like, no, nah, we're not done yet. It's going to give us another it all froze again. good 24 hours so, of freezing rain. Yeah. It's like freeze, so freezing what, rain. What, it's what blows my mind with this, and I know I'm gonna sound like that cranky Midwesterner complaining about the Pacific Northwest. They were talking on the radio that they were gonna de quote unquote 
de-ice the roads after the snowstorm. Anybody who even knows moderately anything about road care knows that that's, once it snows, you're under four like inches of snow, you're not gonna de-ice anything. And then we just have an ice skating rink out here. And I'm like, what is, what is ODOT doing with their mind? That's insane. Like, it's uh, a, Is that a Vancouver it's thing? It's amazing. I know that when I was driving around before the snow hit, uh, you could see all of the, the de-icing streaks on the road here in Canvas. So they were Vancouver kind of- Vancouver was good. Vancouver was fine. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, outside of neighborhood roads. But the main roads of Vancouver were great. Portland did not treat the roads prior to the storm hitting. Oh, and it was a disaster over there because I work over there. It's, it was terrible. I've seen like little video clips, little shorts and whatnot. <laughs> people letting their dogs outside to go like use oh, the yeah. bathroom. And it's pretty funny. Some people live on a slope and the dog walks out, takes a step on the ice and just like slides away. It's like, slides bye, all the way down the hill. I know. That <laughs> I actually, know. that happened to our dog too. Oh, really? I mean, we don't, like we were able to get our dog back obviously. Yeah. But like. Our dog's just like scared to go outside now. We've got a, a pup. She's well, almost like yeah. eight or nine months old now. And she's never dealt with this before. My older dog has, so he kind of gets it, but he's still slip sliding around. She ran out there and slid and like, like was like, whoa, what the heck? And then like <laughs> she's, it's raining and she doesn't like the rain for some reason. Yeah. Get used to it, Lola. But uh, she tried to shake it off and she totally like wiped out, like feet went out from underneath her. She landed on her side. She's like, oh, you know, like, oh crap, that sucked. So it's been kind of funny. It's been comedy, like watching the dogs run outside. We'll usually like open the door and throw a ball out there or a treat or they love the the laser pointer so we'll like do that to get them running outside with a full like head of steam exactly they are they're terrible like just like cats and they'll go run out full head of steam and the next thing you know they're like sliding into the bushes it's actually comedy gold that i should be recording but fast forward i'm not um you guys how about a little backpedal uh lance raced his bike this past week oh yeah so- dare, dare we start with lance or do you want to go first matt uh, I can be quick. I am not. I did How not about this? race my bike. Let, let's do. I'll go first. Okay, and I'll be super quick. I did nothing. All right, Matt, go. You. I saw you at the <laughs> weight room. This is true. I did see Jake at the weight room. So you didn't what? do. You did less than nothing. You did something. <laughs> yes, I did. Did my normal gym, but that's nothing to, to talk about. I've got nothing fun to report. It's same thing, different weather. Um, moving on. Go. Everything's been canceled, and so like swim and all this stuff was canceled. So I took my kids to the pool on Sunday because the weather wasn't that bad on, on Sunday. It was, it was, you're able to get out and about and did our own like swim workout with a couple of kids from the team. And then that's when things got worse. And since that time I've just been indoor biking. Just so you took your kids to the pool and then went from bad I to sw- worse. Did I you flush when on, you were done? Yeah. 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 Okay. It was a, it was a double flusher, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, <laughs> so I've swam some, and uh, and I've biked some, and I haven't been running much because I need Evan to fix my hip slash quad slash. Uh, I would say something. Hey, Evan, can we get a bogo over here? A little buy one get one free. Yeah, we'll take we'll take the bat to both of you here, as yes. I told Matt this uh, weekend. That would be I'll, a vast I'll improvement. The only way to fix <laughs> it is go. to take a if, bat. If to it doesn't it. fix it, just put me out of my misery, man. <laughs> one of those I'm bats done. with but nails poked. We have to we. We have to hit the other leg, though, so you're more concentrated on that leg than you are the leg that's been bothering uh, you. So that's, that's the key. That's, that's the key. Yeah, yeah you're the leg doesn't hurt anymore now, it. does it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. There you go. Right on. Anything else, Mr. Legrand? Um, that's it. No? Cool. Yeah, I mean, this it, it's looking like we're not going to have any school this week. Yeah. Good times. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, homeschool. <laughs> homeschool. It's tough. It's tough at my house, too, with everyone in there, and they're getting... A, they, they, they've got a lot of energy because they're used to swimming like an hour or two hours a day. And so there's a lot of energy 
not a lot of direction or anywhere to put that energy. So can you fashion up some sort of like sled or something like that that you, you can have them go, you know, swim around sh- on the sled? I should have them like shoveling, sack? shoveling ice is what I should have them do. <laughs> it's like frozen when they're just like making ice. Like, yeah, I'm trying to sell this ice in a, in a snowstorm. <laughs> have them chip it out and go to the neighbors and say, you guys want to buy some ice? Buy some ice. <laughs> We're selling ice here. Right on. Evan has not raced, but I'm guessing he's getting tuned up for something that's on the horizon, and I'm sure he has something to tell us. What's yeah, up, Evan? Want to back battle for us? I'm sure he's trained a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the, my start of January was getting back into some structure and uh, basically just trying to play with the big boys this year. So it's four weeks at about 28 to 30 hours a week of training, and it has become an indoor fest. <laughs> Yeah. Which was definitely not what I was hoping for, but it's okay. You got, I'm exactly halfway through the block right now, ton of training, and then two weeks of high intensity, and then I'll be off to a, a Tucson or a Valley area for two weeks to train. So sweet. Yeah. When are you going to be down there, Evan? I was going to message you, Lance, actually. Um, February 23rd to March, like, 4th. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I think I will be. Well, that's right after training camp. That's during our team training camp. Is it? Okay, gotcha. Or it's the, it's the week after our team training camp. Uh, well, and I'll be, in, yeah, I'll be in Scottsdale, actually. So. Oh, well, if well, you want to shoot if you want to shoot up for a day or two, you're welcome to go. I mean, we got, we got a pretty down good crew. Down, so. south. We'll honestly, I don't think I could hang with you guys, honestly. Not, <laughs> on, a, not on a time trial bike. So. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when I say fun, I mean four hours of tucked in arrow at you know yeah. <laughs> at, at some wattage that nobody wants to be holding. <laughs> Evan, is Ari gonna Ari Klaus gonna ride with you guys? Is he gonna do that trip with you, or is he? He seems like he's in Australia. So, he's pretty locked into Australia right now. When he comes back, he might, but odds are he's probably gonna end up locking into a home block for a bit and then he's going to go race st george okay well me and josh start me and josh will start the season with oceanside so i wonder i wonder how yeah i wonder how australia is going for him he's he's enjoying i mean it is brutal he's swimming 40k a week wow so oh yeah that's that's the game now it is the game is you better be able to swim you better be able to bike a lot and obviously run really fast so he is trying to get the swimming part of the equation down for himself because he's going to be racing the world championship this year. World championship is where for you're talking about the half Ironman world championships. I New assume. Zealand. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Half Ironman world championship in New Zealand. Sweet. Right on. Yep. Hepler. Lance friggin' yeah. Hepler raced his bicycle this past week and he gets to do the first official official backpedal of the year. Go Lance. What's up? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I hate it in guys, but the training weather down here in the Phoenix area has been perfect. It is, it's, it's 75 and sunny today, uh, here in, in, uh, Phoenix. So it's been, it's been quite nice. Yeah. We talked last week about whether I should jump into this race or not. And yeah, I went and showed up race morning and they did have registration it was called the mcdowell meltdown it was a mountain bike race all on single track mountain bike uh, trails um not not very what's that is it is, the, is it like coming to america where he's like that's mcdonald's they have big mac this is mcdowell's we have 
big big <laughs> mark or something. I don't remember what it was, but like that. There's like this McDowell's like restaurant that he works at. I think it's coming to America. I assume that that is exactly how the whole race went, and Eddie Murphy was there. You there, Lance? He's he's yeah. he's cutting in and out. <laughs> I'm going to support you on that one, Matt. That's a hilarious reference. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just start throwing out McDowell, McDowell in there. And I'm that like, is that's a that's a podcast gold comment right there, Matt. Thank you for that reference. <laughs> uh, At least I can do. It's perfect. There he's back. Go can for you it. Now? Yes. Yeah, so I uh, the elite race was starting. The the Cat One elite race was starting at eight thirty in the morning. It was like thirty four degrees, and so I didn't really want to race the Cat One. So I signed up, which which I thought would be the correct category for me, which was there is the intermediate uh, race in the fifty to fifty nine field, and there were started at like ten fifteen. So the weather was a whole lot nicer it was like 15 degrees warmer and so there were 30 guys that were in that field and i thought that was this is going to be good i i mean obviously i'm not prepped this is not a race on the schedule i was not prepped for it at all it was literally let's just line up and see what happens i mean i did i did like an hour and a half of sweet spot the day before so i was literally training right through this and just kind of going to see what was going to happen. Um, but I lined up on the front row because that's what I do. And um, <laughs> there were 30 of us in the field. They blew the whistle. Um, within about two minutes, I was sitting on one guy's wheel. So he was in first. I was in second. I looked behind me, and we already had like a 10-second gap on the whole field. And... I thought, okay, we are, and I'm telling the guy, I'm like, dude, we got a gap already. Let's just keep pushing. Let's just keep pushing. He's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And so four minutes into the race, I went around him and I'm like, okay, jump on my wheel. Let's do some work and, and try to, you know, string this out a little bit further. And I went through like four corners pretty hard and I gapped him and I never person. That was it. I, I ended up, <laughs> it was, uh, Two lap race, 20 miles total, about 2,500 feet of climbing, like sandy type um, mountain bike trails, nothing really that technical at all. I ended up winning that field by like three minutes. I think it was three minutes to second place and like five minutes to third place. So I, I wasn't fully, I, I, I was really unexpected. I did not think it would, I would win by like three minutes, but I'm actually feeling really good right now. My legs feel good. I'm at a pretty decent weight at the moment. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm training a little bit better. I don't know. It's, it's shaping up to be a fairly decent year for me if I can stay healthy and not crash and not get sick. So that's did what you, happened. Do they nice. give you, you look a good Lance? You look good. So tan. Did you uh, <laughs> did you get a medal? Do you have any medals to show oh, us? Oh yeah. <laughs> Looky there. Can you see it Looky right here. Oh, that's some bling right there. Is that real gold? Hundred uh, percent. It must be. It <laughs> must is be. hundred percent real gold. I assume that they give yeah. that to yeah the top number one <laughs> superstars. Yeah. So 
Yeah, so I had to stick around for a couple hours actually for the presentation. It was way late in the day, but it, there were like there were like 500 people in this race. There was a lot of people there. They had a ton of junior divisions, a ton of women's divisions, elite fields, intermediate fields, beginner fields. I was really pleased many people showed up, but it's January in Arizona, so of course there's going to be a bunch of people here. So um, yeah, it was pretty. It's been pretty cool. So nice. Beyond that, my yeah, my wife uh, she took third in her soccer tournament down here. That was the reason why we came down here. It was not for me to ride bikes. That is a byproduct of my wife's soccer tournament. So her team took third place down here at the nice. her soccer tournament, and then um, and I've ridden like almost twice uh, for the week, which has been great. I've gotten some good rides in and. I'm feeling pretty good, and we'll kind of see what happens. So, sweet. You have to see how it goes. Yeah, that's enough for me. <laughs> right on. Hey, hey uh, Flo. is um Champ Bailey down there? Champ Bailey's probably Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey is here. Um, I I I have no information at my fingertips because I'm not in a spot where I can look stuff up. And actually uh, FaceTime with you guys. I'd rather see Matt's lovely face than actually look at information. Good, so that good. makes me happy. I heard that uh, um, that Red Bull took over Bora 100%. That's their team now. They're going to change all their naming. They already signed uh, Walt Van Arth. They signed uh, Evan Pohl. Um, they're talking Rimco. about dropping $100 million <laughs> on uh, Pogaccia, and they're going to create the super team of all times. What do you guys think about that? Okay. No, none of that is true. Oh, At least I that know that didn't happen. Oh. So price. Gosh, done. I gotta uh, start no, checking my sources. <laughs> how, like on a scale of on a scale of ten to a million, are you? How's your Rimco fan fandom going? So what I think with this Red Bull thing too is Red Bull sees this on Netflix and they're like, okay, let's get in early. Maybe this will be like F one. They're gonna pull their money at some point. Yep. Or so, so, they're gonna I mean, revolutionize the sport and they're gonna create the super <laughs> team of all time and they're gonna make it be something a little bit more commonplace. Come on, man. Be optimistic. Yeah, the problem here. is this one the problem is one of those guys is Remco. Nobody in their right mind cheers for this guy. He's the least marketable dude ever. Uh, Belgians like him. Yeah, like one, one of the smallest countries in Europe enjoys but his pre, personality. Recycling important, uh, you know, yeah. recycling important country. They still well, like him. So. Lance, Lance, I want you to do me a favor. Go downtown Phoenix, walk around and ask, do you know who Remco Evan Paul is? <laughs> no, count, count, count how many people have any clue who that is. So I was reading this article. <laughs> that, point. This article that was alluding to the four global big superstars and i'm wondering if evan pool actually wrote this because the four most marketable global superstars are wout pogacha um they have Vander, vanderpool on there and evan pool do you agree with him being Rip. one of the big four of the think, world in terms of like the most marketable like gold star five star um cyclist rimco's got to be number one and number two or three yeah like he's probably on the, on the list multiple times because he's that good so maybe it is the big six pidcock. and then he's one two Pid and three <laughs> pidcock is way easier to market than remco pidcock is likable he's british i he's thought great. it was funny that they purposefully left uh Vinga go off that list and they just kind of said yeah. that he's a little bit too much of a stick in the mud he's just not like charismatic enough to be in that that um stratosphere of, of cyclist i don't disagree that he's not that charismatic that's why he's gonna win. <laughs> it's because right. he's not charismatic. He's good. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I like yeah. him. 
I think that doesn't mean that I'm not a fan, but uh, he definitely doesn't have the the same like. If you're a, a lover of cycling, it's like so easy to cheer for Pogacar because he's just he's more he has more fun on the bike. You can tell. Yeah. So he's really enjoying it. It's it's not a job yeah, for I, him. I mean, it's a it's it's it pays the bills big time for him. But it, it he doesn't treat it like a job. He just seems so happy and charismatic. See, but I think that the purists of cycling, like your European real purists, yeah. love Vingigo for that oh, yeah. reason. He's old school. He's lower class. He like has yeah. that story behind him. Pogacar is the guy that could hit it big on TikTok. Vingigo would get two views on TikTok. Like nobody cares. True. But he's going to win. Like Pogacar won't beat Vingigo now. Hmm. He's too focused. Not he's in a too grand tour. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Not not in a grand tour. Vingigo's locked in. That's. But I Evan still think there's still think there's a race to be had. A great there. personality. A great Remco person. Will never, <laughs> Remco will never beat Vingigo in a grand tour that no. Vingigo cares about. Most likely to drop third person on you? Is that Remco? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's enough said right there for me. But anyhow, uh, do you guys do you guys know who Zlatan Ibrahimovic is? Soccer player Zlatan? No. Yeah. He, t- he talks in third person. He does. He's a very popular human being. Was girl, that the he, person that they based <laughs> the, the character on from uh, Ted Lasso? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's yeah. Zlatan. Yes, yep. exactly. <laughs> that that's, dude was funny. That, he's, he's he's the taller version of Remco in soccer is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, it should be an interesting uh, year for those boys to see what's going on. Um, Lance, I don't think that there's been any more professional cycle class races. Uh, there's been there's been a few. I know Clara Hansinger has raced a couple of times. She took, uh, I believe, fifth in in uh, the elite field in one of the races she did. So that's good. Um, I'm not sure the name of the races. The Tour Down Under is oh, actually yeah. happening. There yep. was women's Tour Down Under. It was a three day stage race, and the men's Tour Down Under. I believe they're on stage three today or something like that. Yep. Do you ask me who won the stages? Um, Bora Hansgrove. I don't know. Yeah, Bora, but that's right. Bora had Van Poppel lead out their sprinter, and they he kind of crushed the field with a fantastic lead out. So Bora has already uh, picked up a sprint win uh, this year at the Tour Down Under. There aren't a lot of big names there, but Benny and Germay is there. Caleb Ewan is there. There's a few other people, but a lot of the big names are prepping for spring classics. Is Caleb so Ewan kind of still with the same team, or did they kind of part ways and he's with somebody new this year? So remember, there was a little bit of a scuttlebutt with him at the tour last year, and I think that the ownership of the team he was on wasn't terribly happy with him. Is he still there? I want to say he's on a different team. I think he's on a different yeah, team, but yeah, I'm not Jake, sure. Jake, you can check that, but I'm pretty sure he had to switch teams also because that team wasn't getting an invite to any Grand Tours. Ah, makes sense. Right on. Anything else? Any other news, boys? Nope. Tamp out. <laughs> Right on. Okay. Um, let's, uh, you guys want to do a Patreon drawing? Sure. I think it's, it's, it's about time. We haven't done that in a little while. So let's go ahead and do a, a little Patreon music here. Matt is going to pull a little Patreon name out of the jar o names, all those Patreons, and it is the Mike Redding. The Mike Redding. Not just Mike Reddick. It says the Mike Reddick. It, says, it literally says the Mike Reddick. 
<laughs> well, Mike Reddick, you are the uh, going here, right? proud winner of a prize that's in the goodie bag down at the lab. I know that you're local, so you can swing by any time and grab some stuff out of there. Win it if you can get there. If you can get there. Just put your strap on your ice skates. Yes. Um, we are open today. Oh, my um, gosh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Only for three hours. So if you, you know, I don't know, we'll probably have this not out by then. But right. yeah, just come on by. Throw on your skates. Come on by, and we'll get you uh, that little box of goodies for you to pick out of and you get yourself set up. If you yourself want to become a patron to help support the Dialed Podcast, you can go to uh, dialedpodcast.com, click on the Patreon link, and that will take you to Patreon to pick a Patreon level that works best for you, and we greatly appreciate your support. So thank you, everybody. Super duper appreciated. Hey, um, we're going to jump into our topic for the week. It's 2024, boys. It's our first time all of us being together in 2024, and it's uh, there's a lot of things kind of on the horizon. There's some things coming up. So there's some trends, and there's some things that are going to start coming out this year, and I wanted to get your guys' take on it. I've read a couple articles and kind of cross-meshed them together, and I've got a list of about 10 things. We'll run through them relatively quickly, and I want to know if you guys think it's going to happen, if you think it's hot or not, and uh, what your take is on it. So the first thing is gravel bikes, because we love ourselves in gravel, right? Okay. Evan, you still racing gravel, doing all the gravelly things? <clears throat> On your oh god no, that's that's ice. That is that is that is as cold as the outdoor weather for me right now. There's I wouldn't I wouldn't even I'm not even sure if I want to run on gravel this year. Yeah, well, so we've got road bikes, and when you get into the road bike category, there's so many different types of bikes that you can choose from. Um, you can go all the way from like your basic entry level commuter bike to like race specific to endurance bikes and and everything in between. Gravel bikes are taking a page out of the road bike book. And I think this year you're officially going to see all of the different brands and manufacturers coming out with different varieties of gravel bikes. And in more times than not, it's going to be a race category. And then there's going to be like an adventure category, if you will. So so you're saying 2024 gravel bikes are going to expand. They're going to expand. So you're going to start to see a little bit of uh, different product categories within the gravel realm with respect to gravel bikes. Is that something you guys want to see? Is that something that you're excited about? Or do you think it's getting a little too ahead of itself and it's just kind of going to dilute the whole industry in its own? Evan Price says cold. I'll say lukewarm. I mean, I think what I think it's definitely possible that, I mean, I think we kind of already start to see this a little bit last year where it's like you can get suspension on your gravel bikes. You can kind of start to see like these different types of gravel bikes, which are kind of fun, right? Because then yeah. you can kind of take them on some different different spots. Hey, I mean, some of them are looking like a, a hardtail mountain bike with some drop bars on them, and that's yep. effectively what they are. Do we do we need that? Well, what's interesting is um, uh, who's the guy that we had on the podcast a while back? Who he was he was racing his bike and he put drop bars on his mountain bike, and it might have been like hardtail mountain bike, and he was like he raced it, and it was like good to go. Dylan Johnson Dylan has done Johnson. that. Dylan yeah. Johnson did that. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat recently he did that. And it was like, he, there's not much wrong with this. Yeah. He raced it like to some good performances as well. So, well, in that breath, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going into the performance or the race genre of the gravel bike. And some of it, like at first glance, you're like, do, do I want that? I mean, if I'm going to go out and race, do I want to have that bike to be my do it all gravel bike? Because when you get into some of these bikes, you're, you're talking about like a, a shorter head tube. So you're going to be in a more aero position. You've, you're talking about more narrow bars. You're talking about um, a geometry that's maybe a touch more twitchy. And you're talking about a bike that's going to handle a lot differently than a lot of the, the gravel bikes that we've come to know and love. Is I think that- it depends on the course, right? Like if it's like, yeah, this is just a flat gravel road and you're, I mean... 
Okay, let's be honest though. There's a lot of people that are going to have to pick and choose between like, do I get the performance gravel bike or do I get the more adventure gravel bike? What am I going to use it for? Sure. Like, I kind of want to race, but I, I, I don't know if I necessarily want to have a race bike for everything that I'm doing in all my gravel rides. And, you know, BMC is a perfect example of that. They've got the BMC uh, URS, which Lance and I've been riding for yeah. quite a few years now. And then they've got the Cayuse, which is a very much race inspired geometry. It's have you a very, seen that bike in person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've sold quite a few of them. And it's a beautiful bike. And, and it's got some narrow handlebars on it. The, oh, really? Their 011 with the integrated cockpit on it with the full carbon car- carbon fiber cockpit. And if I'm not mistaken, it's about a 37 uh, centimeter width on the, the the top of the bars there. Yeah. And it does flare a little bit in the drops. But a lot of times you're riding up on the hoods. That's a pretty narrow stance there, if you will. And mm-hmm. you would think like, all right, if I'm riding off road, I kind of want something just a touch wider, just so I can have a little bit more control of the bike, just so it's not so twitchy. But that's the direction that they're going for sake of aerodynamics is that something that you guys are cool with i mean are you guys cool with all this stuff i mean i guess variety is the spice of life but do you guys want that well i would go i'd go plush i think i i have a lot of thoughts on the matter because i you know i race gravel a lot i have i don't know seven or eight gravel races on my calendar this year that i'm gonna do and i tend to uh steer towards the more rowdy bike and not the race bike because i i like taking those bikes on places they're not supposed to go i mean yesterday i rode three hours i rode my gravel bike three hours on single track trails uh in the brown rands ranch area of scottsdale which and it was like it was perfect i had a freaking riot it was a blast could i have done that on a BMC Cayuse, yeah, I'm sure I could have, and it probably would have just been just as fun. Um, I think I steer more towards the rowdier type thing because that that's more fun to me, yeah. I guess. And you can still make those bikes go plenty fast. And I don't yeah. know, let's be honest, we're not racing in the pro yeah. gravel peloton, so <laughs> do we need that? Nope. I don't know. I don't know. Do you, I, I know this is kind of like a very centric question to myself and, and mostly Lance, but um, Evan, is that something that you agree with just coming from a bike fit perspective and a safety perspective? I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I think though, when you're looking at like from a bike fitting perspective, I think the bike industry is doing some pretty cool things because as it makes a more specific frame and, uh, you know, changes your, obviously the height, the clearance, and then obviously the seat tube angle too. You can make a pretty cushy or aggressive ride for anybody. And obviously, as the fork increases, you can ride it on basically anything. But the bottom line is the prices that we're looking at means this can't be hot because who else is going to come into the bike market at those price ranges with that specific of a bike? Mm-hmm. Like, like your dude that's like, I mean, I coach plenty of people like this. It's like, hey, I need like a little bit of help with getting into the bike market here, what should I look at? I'm not going to tell him like, oh yeah, man, grab yourself a race gravel bike for like 8K. Right. He's like, oh, I'm looking for more than 1200 range. Like, yeah. That's, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so it's not hot. It can't be hot. It's cool for anybody who's already in that world, but like nobody's going to the, sh- like nobody's coming up to me. And it's like, hey, I need you to fit me on this elite gravel bike right off the bat. Hmm. Yeah. That's like their second or third bike. In, yeah. And they're probably more like 12K. Lance is definitely right there. Yeah, sorry, Lance. I was I was going with the uh, the team discount there. <laughs> right. Yeah, bikes. I mean, I, that was kind of one of my rants 
what was it, a week or two ago, and we had the hot seat talking about the bike industry hopefully going through a bit of a con- uh, correction cycle. And just to kind of touch on that a little bit more, I went and pulled some numbers on a particular bike from a particular brand and shared it with um, somebody. And he's probably listening to this because I know he does listen from time to time, and he's probably knowing exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to out all of this stuff, but I went through and looked at a particular bike um, that in 2019, it was their top, sh- I'm sorry, 2018, it was their top shell bike. And it was um, a full red um, ETAP build. I mean, this predates the the 12-speed stuff. So this is going to be the 11-speed stuff. But we're still talking about model year 2018, which wasn't too long ago. That bike with the full red top shelf wheels, the, the nice stuff from top to bottom, was $8,999. And then you look at that same bike year over year and... You fast forward to now, that same bike is retailing for fourteen thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. So from oh. t- from twenty eighteen oh. to twenty twenty four, that's a sixty six point six seven percent increase. And then um, if you look at that same bike, once you kind of had COVID, and we all know what happened during COVID with the bike industry, that bike jumped up thirty six point three seven percent. And if you mirror that or lay that over inflation, so your inflation from 2018 to 23 jumped up 22.5%. So it was about a quarter. The inflation was about a quarter of how much the cost of that bike actually increased. And then if you look at inflation from 2020 to 2023, 18.3% as opposed to the 36.37% that that bike jumped up. So the bike industry is definitely needing a bit of a construct uh, uh, correction. We were all kind of talking about what we thought that should be. And we all thought around 20%. Well, if you look at the math and you want to just keep bike prices in line with what inflation has been 20% spot on, which is utterly ridiculous. Those are, those are crazy numbers, Jay. Good, good job looking at those two. Cause I, I just explained this to a patient too, for, for the same industry, and groups of governing bodies that claim to want to be as inclusive and like, oh, let's try to bring as many people into cycling as we can. Mm. They sure don't seem to behave any of that. No. Every action says against that. Every single action says that's not what they actually care about at all. And we're, we're seeing corrections happening, and that's good. And we're starting to see prices come down. We're starting to see people realizing like, oh, yeah, I think we kind of went a little too far with that. But I'm still seeing certain brands that, that aren't doing that. And I'm like – you guys are making a bad decision. You're going to get stuck behind. Um, and, and people are going to have a little bit of resentment towards that because if you just look at the numbers, you know, don't tell me that there wasn't some price gouging going on here, but I don't want to get up on this whole ordeal again. Maybe it has something to do with like trying to recover from the, the COVID over, you know, over purchased, it slash the you know now we're on that like dip side of that so I'm wondering if there's something like well they made a gob of money they sold everything that they could yep. get their hands on and it's not like they didn't make enough bikes they could have sold even more yeah and then there was everything kind of piling up when everything kind of slowed down and people stopped expending as much money because you know free money wasn't coming down the pipelines and and the but economy this- was starting to tank a little bit and they were sitting on inventory so if you're sitting on inventory right. supply and demand would say that you're you're demand has gone down, your supply has gone up, so it's going to drive your prices down. The indicators point to you, you should be doing that, not like saying, oh, you know what, from you know 2023 to 2024, we're going to increase our prices again 7.14%, which is what they did. I'm just wondering, it's like, okay, when you're making money hand over fist during the sure. the pandemic, everyone's going to get raises. Everyone gets a sure. raise. Everybody's a winner here, right? Well, Look are they getting well we raises did. or are they getting bonuses? I don't know. 
But I mean, everybody got a cost of living adjustment and, and probably saw some sort of a, a raise. So yes, that happened. And that's indicative when you look at the inflation numbers. But when you're outpacing inflation by two to three X. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's it's just, those are big numbers. Yeah. It's it's the uh, it's the forecasting that got them in trouble. So they had you know a year and a half of you know uh, record sales, and so they forecasted for more record sales, made more inventory, and then demand went down. So they just mismanaged the forecast. And I don't know that you could have really predicted that very well that demand would drop off as much as it could have. It's easy for us to look at it now and say, well, yeah. Everybody bought what they wanted, and so of course demand went down. But the forecasters just yeah, messed up. When you've got a bike, a force built or an Ultegra built bike that used to cost four thousand dollars, that's now going for ten thousand dollars. You yeah. ramp that up way too quickly. You, this escalated really quickly, and you've got to look at that. And like when things start to kind of slow down, you've got to be paying attention to all the economic indicators too, and, and make those decisions based on that. Don't keep your prices skyrocketed high. Don't go yeah, nuts on bottom, the inventory. Bottom line, it was an awful business decision. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people with a lot to lose made a lot of stupid decisions. Yeah, and like, I think we're going to see. We're going to pay the price. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so to go back to your thing, the the gravel bikes having multiple categories, that's just showing that, I don't know, maybe it's just an, another reason to be able to sell people another bike. So you've got an industry that's hot, so not offer just one category of bike, but two categories of bike. And now you got a lot of people like, well, which one do I want? Maybe I need both or I need to upgrade. Uh, which direction do I want to go? I've already got an adventure bike. Maybe I'll get a race bike and I can have two in my quiver. So it's, it's giving them something to sell, which is fine. I'm all for capitalism and, and having a little bit of product diversity is nice, but you know, come off on the prices a little bit and uh, make things reasonable. Make it make it be something where people can maybe mix and match the, the bikes too. Because you've got the likes of uh, a Santa Cruz Stigmata, which is another bike that we carry at the lab. That's actually a pretty cool race bike. The geometry on it's a little bit more relaxed than say like the, the BMC Cayuse, but mm -hmm. you can outfit that bike so many different ways to make it be a, a super strong, very, very um, stout race bike, but you can also make it be a super fun, um, you know, adventure bike too. And, you know, Proofs in the pudding. If you want to talk about how well that bike's going to do at races, and, and yes, I mean it, anybody, or if, you, if this guy was racing on any bike, he'd probably put it on over the finish line first. But you know, Keegan Swenson, that's the bike that he rides, and he does perfectly fine with it. It's not as quote unquote racy as a BMC Cayuse, but he makes it go super fast, and, and he has a lot of fun on it. So I don't know. Yeah, he's doing just fine on that bike. So that's for sure. I think if yeah. it were me making that decision, I would find a bike that the geometry is going to kind of split the difference, knowing that I can probably outfit it with the things that I need. So like, you know, Lance and I are actually in the process of building a couple of the Envy Mogs right now, which is their gravel race bike or their gravel bike in general. And you can do different things with that bike too. It's got a lot of diversity in it. So, you know, we're going to put dropper posts on it, but if I want to lighten that load up a little bit and because I'm going to use one of the, the wireless access remote uh, dropper posts on, I can take that out easily and throw a carbon seat post in there, lighten the load up if Ooh. I need to, or if I need to put on a different set of wheels, I can do that as well because That's it's got the That's a good point, whip, actually. So. Being able to be like for, for each race, make some modifications to your bike. Yeah. That's Keep it kind of modular, I guess you right. could say. So, right. Uh, I mean, we all do that with our bikes, right? Like, I mean, big race, big Ironman race or something like that, you're going to get the cassette that's yeah. that's specific to the race. Yeah. If I were a bike company, that's Sorry. what I would probably do is I'd probably lean into the bike that's going to be modular. modular that can be, you know, it can go different directions. It can be kind of a chameleon in terms of what it is that you need it to be. That's just my two cents. Anything else on that one? Here's my, 
here's my final thought kind of on it. I, I feel like I am, I'm the demographic that a bike company is looking at. I'm a middle-aged American male who races with disposable income. I'm the kind of guy who would be, who would have a race bike and an adventure. I'm not going to do that. I don't have interest in having two gravel bikes. I'm going to have one gravel bike that's going to do both things well. Yeah. So for yep. me, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for me to have a race. You just make your choice. Which one do you want? Not both. Gotcha. So are you going to, you're pretty much of the same mindset that when it comes to the road bikes too, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. I, I don't, I'm not going to have a climbing bike and a training bike. Although maybe my old race bike becomes my training bike <laughs> or, or, or a rain bike. But right? let's be honest. You don't want to ride or on your old bike because it's not as fast and you're not going to get the KOMs, even you're though right. you're not going out Lance, for cans. That's right. That's Lance, right. Lance, I do have a confession to make that my current BMC time machine race bike is about to become my trainer bike because I'm okay. buying another <laughs> TT bike. To race, <laughs> I, but, I, but you're a professional. I'm a, I'm a amateur. But I might become close to the second most hated person on this podcast right after you. So, <laughs> are you gonna get the? Are you gonna get the Scott Plasma thing? P5 Cervelo, and then I'm Ooh, getting the yeah, components. Good. Getting the components from Jake here, and then I'm getting the drag to zero front end. Sweet. That that P5 is like a. I think it's a. It's a very much a favorite for anyone that doesn't have like a bike sponsor that has to own a certain thing. Everyone's like, if you don't have to very, own a certain thing, then get the Cervelo. You know, it's just it's been good. Very adaptable. That's that's why that bike is good. It's very very adaptable. Yeah, yeah. I think you like TT it. bikes, man. That's a whole other story that we can talk about. But yeah. just a little quick thing here, real quick, is like we have access to the Scott Plasma, right. to the BMC Time Machine. We've got access to the Cervelo. I was not able to get my hands on any of those bikes. They're completely all just like, they, they, they just, well, it's not that there was like massive demand. They just didn't make very many of them. And the other thing is, oh my God, are they expensive now? They're just like any of their bikes. It seems like just entry level, you're over 10 K for a, a TT bike. So it Talk used to about be an absolutely overpriced right. market. Yeah. yeah TT and triathlon bikes got out of hand. It used to be entry level TT bike was like somewhere around $2,000. Oh, yeah. 2000 And BMC and had those, but no more. Now you're paying the yeah. tax that you pay on the bike is 2000 Exactly. <laughs> anyway. All right. Here's my next thing for 2024. They're saying, they, I don't know who they is, but yeah, they're they. saying that this year, 2024, will be the year of the one by drivetrain uh, adoption on the road. Do you guys agree with that? Road bikes going one X, one uh, by drivetrain. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, I strong, don't, strong opinion on this. No. Yeah, I mean, I like. I don't think so. I like one by systems. I think that they make sense. I think that the the time we'll see it is when we when you move up another ratchet and you're getting like 13, 14 speed, you know, cassettes or whatever. Like the whole system is like, okay, well, we don't really. I feel like we need another jump we need to go from 12 to 13 to have those smooth gear transitions and to have the full range that you need but they're getting pretty stinking close or or we're gonna have some sort of hub based shifting system which would be very very cool that would be because very interesting there's technology out there i can't remember the name of the hub but it's it's a built-in system and you basically press a button and it, it doubles your gearing 
Um, we talked about this a couple of years yeah. ago, if you remember, Matt, too. The problem is I'm not sure if that's ever going to be able to hit the market because the complexity of working with it as a mechanic, I would guess. Right. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of question marks, right? Like if it's sealed up yeah. well, does it hold, you know, does, does it need to be, does there it maintenance that need to be do well? well? It would not travel That for well. sure would not travel. Oh my God, no. Getting that, I'm sure getting that in and out of a bike box would be a nightmare. Getting, getting wheels specifically built with that, there's a lot. Of, I mean, I think it requires a lot of specific things for it to work and function. So it, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, I could see some company like SRAM or or Shimano being like, yeah, we're buying that. We own, we own this piece mm -hmm. of technology sure. now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, you wait another year after they've purchased it. And then all of a sudden it's like, yep, this is it. And we're all doing one buy. So is okay. it 2024? No. I don't think it's going to be 2024, but I've been riding on a one by drivetrain on my gravel bike for yeah. four years now. It's pretty close. It does have a couple little like holes in the, the, the whole gear shifting. I mean, there's a couple spots where you're like, all right, I feel like I'm mashing too hard and you go up, you feel like I'm spinning a little too hard. Mm. So there's a couple of those little jumps. Too much. In the arm. What about on either side? Do you feel like you spin out when you no. get up and moving? Well, on the that's road the or? thing is I had to play with chain rings for some time before I found the, the sweet spot and should have listened to a teammate a long time before I went through the whole process of trying everything, but it's kind of nice to try things out and know exactly how it works for you. But as soon as I went to a 46 tooth with a 1050 cassette in the rear, uh, 12 speed cassette, that was a pretty much a home run for me. Like I said, there's a couple spots in there where if I'm on a flat and we're pedaling hard or for just a slight decline or yeah. mostly on a the flat, there's like a, one of the cogs in there, there's like you're going back and forth. It just feels like you're either spinning or mashing just a touch too hard. It would be nice if it was a little bit smoothed out there. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's pretty stinking Can you good. Get, get home up the hill? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's no problem. I mean, we've climbing done some, is not a problem. We've yeah. done some climbs that are three miles long that are a pretty Massive. pitchy thing. And, and you're getting up those and you're like, yeah, I, I'm cranking a little bit harder. Lance has got the perfect setup. His is a 1052. Mine's a 1050. So if he needs to be in that, that, that gear, he's going to have just a touch easier of a time. And I think that that would be butter. Um, I just didn't upgrade to that particular yeah. cassette when it became available, but it works pretty well. I spin out at about 36, 37 miles an hour. So is that going to work on the road? Probably not. Cause that's not quite fast enough, but for a gravel bike, it's, it's pretty, fantastic. Pretty reasonable. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't personally think that we're going to see it in 2024, but I think that the writing's on the wall and I think it's just a matter of time. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think it's for probably two, maybe three years out, but we'll see. We'll see. What do you think, Lance? I certainly don't. I don't. I don't miss having two by on my gravel bikes. Um, and I've been racing and training uh, with one by on my mountain bike and my gravel bike for yeah, like four years, same as mm -hmm. Jake. Um, and if that switched over to my road bike, and it was just because I don't have a front derailleur, I would adjust just fine. I think I would be just fine. There's enough gears there that you that you make it work. So I don't, it's not, do I like the smoother transition from gear to gear? Yeah, that's nice on the road, but um, I would adjust quickly if it went to one by on the road. That's my thought. Gotcha. All right, uh, let's jump on to the next one real quick. I am going to lump two things together because it's kind of talked about in two different categories, and that's okay. just going with narrower bars on the road and on gravel. What are your guys' thoughts on the super narrow bars? It's definitely trending. For sure in the pro peloton, but I'm not sure that not that's... if the UCI has anything to say about it. Well, I know, but okay, so <laughs> well, they don't want you pitching your your hoods in, but I think if you go with a narrower bar, oh, did... just you can, but just give them time. Don't worry, they yeah. they will shut that down too, guaranteed. <laughs> Spoil the party, throw a turd in the punch bowl like usual. 
Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you, do you like that? Do you feel comfortable on that? Is it something that you guys want to see continue to trend forward? Is it something that you'll be changing on your bike? I'm not changing that on my bike. I'm not going to go more narrow. If anything, I would want to go wide and just have the the comfort and the flexibility of of having like a, a little bit more control. But but I'm not trying to go that fast. What about eventually having a bar that you could adjust like a dropper post, but you could like yeah, ooh, there you go, widen or so narrow. Jake, it? There's there's a guy in the professional uh, tri world. He's actually. I think Denny Chevro is his name. Okay. He has he has rigged up his own base bar that folds up into his aero bars. Really? So so it oh. becomes his aero bars. Have you seen this, Matt? Do you remember this from last year? Yeah. I have a oh, sad geez. I have a sad story about this. Is that um, the guy that hit the bus or something? Yeah. Yeah. There was a Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Is yeah. this the same guy that you guys are talking about? Is, is he the one that, that passed away? There's a guy that died. No, 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 different guy. Okay, so there, guy. there was a set yeah. of bars that were like this guy's alive and well. There's a guy. There's a set of bars that were wide, and then they fold straight in into arrow bars. So then there's nothing on the yeah. sides. That the guy that invented that hit a bus in the teaching yes, position and did. died. The and, guy, the but, guy who invented it, died. Yes. But then, but there's, but it didn't mean that the bars were at fault or that they weren't like going to come to market. I do think that it's not an easy marketing story to tell, but um, was he sponsoring Egon Bernal? Yes, okay. it was. Right. That was a Makes tragic sense. sponsorship. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry that that was poor. <laughs> but yeah, at least Egon Bernal is coming around and he's gonna he's gonna win the tour. So uh, no, I think that um, I think that that setup is is it's odd and it's dangerous. That's what I think. Gotcha. I agree, Matt. I agree. I think it's, I think even in the tri world right now, we're hitting the point of what is becoming too dangerous. We yeah. have guys putting arrow bottles next to their eyes. We got, I mean, the, the, the chase for aerodynamics is huge right now. And I think that it's, it's getting to a point where we got to start setting up some barriers. Hmm. Well, interesting. I, I don't think I'll be doing anything different with my bars because my shoulders um, don't really care for narrower. Um, I did ride that BMC Cayuse, though, the one that we alluded to earlier, that has the 37 mil wide, if I'm not mistaken, it's 37 or 38 mil wide bars. And at first, I'm like, there's no way that that's going to be comfortable. Got on the bike, rode it for about a quarter of a mile around the block at the lab, and I was pleasantly surprised. It was kind of comfortable. I didn't, you know, obviously go on a long ride, so I don't know what the uh, the lasting effects were, but... Um, it was a lot better than I thought it was. Do I want to go that direction? Probably not. Not yet, at least. But I would definitely like to take a bike out for a demo just to see uh, see how it handles. How about you, Lance? Yeah, I don't care. Whatever whatever <laughs> bars come on the bike, I'm just going to ride it and race it. There you go. <laughs> right on. All right, moving on. The next one, um, Matt, Matt might get excited about this one. They Very are exciting. saying in 2024 who they are. I don't know. I Got to go back and read, but they're saying that we're going to see our first aero sensor on bikes this year. <sighs> Matt's got thoughts on this. Uh, Evan, you, yeah, we have thoughts on this because it's technology that's awesome. It's just yeah. really finicky to use. And we just got to wait for the second or second or third generation. I think this will be awesome. But we're kind of sure if right. The problem is, I'm not is, sure if it's awesome yet. The problem is, is that. We're waiting and we're waiting and waiting for like this technology to be flushed out, and we've been wait, but we've been waiting for like ten years. These sensors, yeah, are they have been wait available to-, to the public for sale, 
the, the problem is the usability is a just not, it's a nightmare. Uh, I've probably said this on the yeah. podcast before. Like if you're testing something, it, you know, we can try this. And, and this is one thing that I really want to try with like Evan and Josh is like, go out to Vancouver Lake where you have these like perfect roads where there's not a lot of traffic and things like that. But you know, the second some car passes you, it messes up your whole, your whole run, your whole test run. And then you're really trying to grasp at straws to see if a helmet is helpful, helpful or not. And this, you know, compared to a wind tunnel test where they would pick it up immediately. Yeah. You've got an aero helmet on that's five Watts. It's like the, the yeah, difference. And you, is, go ahead. And you also have to be very, very good at holding the position. Yes. Yes. So, so I, I was talking with somebody about this who not, to, I won't say they, they probably know who they're as they're listening to this is not pushing a lot of Watts is not going very fast, mm-hmm. not valuable. Thousand percent, not valuable. You need to get good at holding your arrow position, pushing decent watts, and then maybe consider stuff like this. But right. that makes for a terrible market. Like that's a pretty narrow There's, market for these tiny, companies. Tiny, tiny market. What what would be valuable, of course, is if the technology got so good that you put it somehow, you know, it's attached to your bike computer or it's part of your bike computer. And then all of a sudden you're looking down and you can see your CDA the whole time and you tuck in behind like a Peloton type group and you see your numbers drop and then you step out into the wind and you see your numbers go up and you can train based on that and you can race based on that information. Then all of a sudden there's huge value there. The problem is that's, that's the big technology. If that could happen, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're constantly getting CDA information, like constant feedback, which again, these aero sensors can do. There's like, um, there's there's information within the protocol for transmitting information to your cycling computer where you can have this constant CDA number. It's all kind of baked into the Ant Plus protocol. The problem is, eh, the technology doesn't really work that well. Like you just can't get really good valid data unless you try to like really hunker down and, and you do these precise tests which aren't that much fun to do. Like literally, I think that if Evan and and Josh and I went out there, I think it would take us an entire day, like four to six hours of just like trying to get things right so that we could kind of tease out, oh, this helmet may be better than this helmet. Maybe we might be able to do that. And that's just a long shot. Yeah. Josh Josh has done it two or three times now. Yeah. Takes him around three, four hours. I did it once with Josh Sutton, took me three to four hours. What, that's, what, that's how long it takes. What tool were you using? Were you using someone else's? Yeah, yeah. It was the one that Output Speed Labs had before they moved to Bend. Okay, yeah. Yep. So Same same tool that you have. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely stuff I want to play with. It's definitely stuff that I'm excited about. I just think that, like, there's the problem is there's like, it's not just like, Oh, we have to account for these three variables and then we've got it. It's like, no, we have account account for a thousand variables. And if we can't do that, then ugh. it's just, I don't see the technology being close. So I don't predict it being 2024 and I would love to be wrong. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's people the, that the have stuff. I, I yeah. will. Um, it just seems like, like you said, it's too finicky and it's going to be really expensive too. So it's mm. going to be, prohibitive for a lot of people and then for the people that do have it it's gonna be like all right do i really want to fuss around with this thing and i'm going to get valuable data i don't know it's interesting because garmin bought a company that sold these aero sensors Mm -hmm. and then just buried it because they basically were like we can't sell this it was i mean you'd think that after all the due diligence that they would do they would know if they could bring it to market within like a year or two or whatever it is maybe they're still working on it i have no idea i don't have any insight into garmin but that's the kind of 
company that I would expect, like it's going to take a lot of research, a lot of research dollars to get it where it needs to be before it's consumer. Somebody lost it. Somebody lost their job over that for sure. Right? I, I was agreeing with you, Matt, there. Because I remember when Garmin bought that and then just nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> like, they it, it was like they had this big run-up. Like, it was like they had a name for the sensor. Like, they had a name for the product. It was all looked like it was going to be a go. And then they were just like, yeah, this doesn't work well enough. So. Yeah, it was kind of like when they were coming out, their, uh, the rally pedals, which yeah. used to be the, um, what were they called? The, the Garmin... Vector. Vector, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like the first Probably iteration that of that, that like name. they talked about that coming out for the longest time. Like yeah. it's just around the corner, just around the corner, and then another year goes by and then another year goes by and they finally came to market. When they came to market, they had all sorts of quirky issues with so them. So many problems. And then they worked through that, went to the second generation and like, all right, this is going to be the end all be all. And they still had issues and there was still a lot of like scuttlebutt that went into the whole process of having to get them calibrated. And finally, when they came around the third generation, they seemed to have most of that stuff right. ironed out. There were some other small issues with that that they worked through. But um, it was probably smart that they changed the name because then, it's like they, they went to rally. And I think yeah. that was a branding thing on purpose just because they finally got it nailed down. And like, let's put this whole vector thing behind us and let's yeah. start off with the rally. And for all intents and purposes, they've been great. They've so, been great. And now we're talking about something that's far less finicky that took them four iterations over the course of what? 10 years to get ironed mm -hmm. out. And it also took two or three years prior to that of them trying to figure this out with something like this aero sensor. Gosh, yeah. I don't, I mean, if someone were to say like, are we going to have this in 10 years? I'd be like, yeah, probably like that seems like the right, sure. You know, future time frame. but 2024, Eee, that's optimistic. <laughs> I hope so. I, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That's why they have the year, right? I'm happy to, I will be all about reviewing those. I'm just going to need to borrow Evan and Josh for some help reviewing them. Cool. All right. I've got another category for you guys. It's actually going to be two categories. I'm going to lump into one because they're kind of one of the same. Again, um, new group sets coming out in 2024. We are being told, um, based on this article, mm -hmm. not by any information that we know, that there's going to be a new SRAM Red group set. Yeah. Not that's, until later this year, they're saying. And I think, I think there's going to be a new likely. Some, uh, Shimano GRX electronic shifting okay. gravel group set. I believe both of those rumors. Okay, so those will probably both happen. I think that those are going to be highly plausible. It's They're both due. What is it that you guys would like to see from both of these to make it worth your while to say, I need that in my life? GRX electronic, like, I don't know, 12 speed, like that would just be, yeah. it'd be great. I think that people like that component set. I think it's a I think it's a winner for It's good. For I think Shimano. for GRX the only thing that I would like to see is more gearing options yep. cuz I think that it was a little sparse coming out the gates and there's certain situations where like eh, it, it could it could use a little bit more range but that's just my two cents but well um, will SRAM go 13 speed? Like they su supposedly they from what I remember like the rumors were that they wouldn't have to adjust their chain to go to 13. It looked like it looked like a more straightforward update mm -hmm. is what I remember hearing. Yeah. But I don't know that the, the article that I read didn't allude to 13 speed. It wouldn't completely and totally surprise me because I believe be we're four years since they came out with <clears throat> the, the latest iteration of the SRAM red. Would it be cool to see 13 speed? Yeah. Would that bode well for going one X? Probably. Yeah. But yeah. What are some other little things that you would like to see from a SRAM Red group set that you would eventually know would trickle down to the uh, the lower group sets? You, Lance, Evan, you guys got any uh, opinions on that? I I uh, I'm not sure. I really right. like the the twelve SRAM Red group set. It uh, it works pretty well. Um, I maybe 
battery life that lasted longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, uh, I, I don't even know. I mean, I've had really good luck with the SRAM Red. I like it. Shimano, um, I wish they had a battery that was easily mm. swappable or yep. replaceable. Yep. You know, um, I think that's a weak point in their system. But uh, I'm kind of a SRAM guy anyway. I've, I've, I've made my choice and now I'm sticking with SRAM. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think the killer feature. SRAM's great. Yep. SRAM, SRAM's absolutely great. I agree. Like red's great. The only thing I would say would. I would love on their top red model to do something PT specific would be great. Like mm. housing the uh, pulleys. If they house the pulleys, that'd be awesome. Sweet. Or did you say that? I was going to say killer feature would be what they've done with the Eagle stuff with the like UDH U- universal derailleur hanger. Yes. Yep. I was going to talk about that too. Yeah. It, it, it's a killer feature. Oh yeah. Um, from a durability standpoint, which I think is just overlooked by these component companies durability is huge both on the road as well as mountain bike i mean we have this on mountain bike and it would be great to see it move its way over to road but the problem is it's a lot harder to get everyone to comply with like that specific through axle piece right isn't that the problem with the it's pretty main well, mainstay now it. yeah it's pretty, it's pretty mainstay in the, in the mountain bike community yes. and then gravel community it it's it's like pretty much all across the boards there as well. And it's like the road. I think that it's something that you'll probably start to see. If and they think about get, it. If get, they can get there. Yeah, then... it gives road bike companies a reason to make a new frame to sell people like, you got to have the latest and greatest. You got to have yeah. UDH. You got to be running the transmission-based uh, stuff. What does UDH stand for? Universal, Universal Derailleur Hanger. Okay. So yeah. it's it's rock solid. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I also know that there's going to be some other options <clears throat> coming out that are going to be making it a much easier uh, decision to make for your gravel bikes later this year. So right now you're kind of having to mix and match mm. like these bikes that Lance and I are going to be building these MV Mogs are going to have the universal derailleur hanger. Or they do have the universal derailleur UDH hanger on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have the transmission on them. And then we're going to be, it's going to be a one X drivetrain. And then what we have to do is run the force one by single, um, you know, crank set. Okay. 44 yeah. tooth was it or 46 tooth? I, I can't remember what it was that they're they're making that at. But as long as we're it's trying wide, to get a, we're trying to get a 46. 46. Yeah, and, we're trying to get a 46. And and that's that's gonna be the setup. It's gonna be a transmission. Setup. Are you guys just making two of these bikes for yourself? Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be fun to see. Yeah, why yeah. not? <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> so had an opportunity, jumped on it. Yeah. So a couple things that I would love to see in SRAM is the thing that I really really liked a lot about the the Durace and the, the Ultegra stuff that I had is they have the extra buttons on them for different integrations for like a sprint shifter you can yeah, make it be. Yeah. Or the thing that I really loved is the ability to be able to control my computer, my bike computer. You could scroll through right. the different screens without taking your hands off the bars. If they could integrate that in there, yeah. I think that that would be a killer feature. That's a good, good idea. So I could definitely, I, I, I do they, believe that Shram will, will start to make that move that direction. Yeah. Say again, Lance? If they made wireless blips, if you if they made wireless blips that didn't need a junction box that you had mm-hmm. to hide somewhere, that would be like way better. That seems like electronically it would be simple. Do so, they have that, Lance? I have that right now on my arrow bars. I don't those think are, those are. Yeah, those those do, do not a, need a blip box. They don't have a junction box. Do they? Do they pair with the rear derailleur? Yep, okay. directly. Yeah, on that's what I thought. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. there you go. You can put those on your bike if you want, Lance. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, th- those are... Uh, I can show you them, Lance. Yep, those are slated to be coming out <laughs> this year, so I'm kind of excited to see that. We'll mm-hmm. see 
if and when they come out, but I'm pretty sure that that's all going to be um, something we'll see this year. All right, moving on. The next thing is going to be, I think we're going to start to see another jump, and this is kind of starting to, to confirm that, but another jump in like what the... I don't know, the, 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 the standard tire width for roadies are going to be. A lot of people went from 25 to 28s and been, have been running 28s for some time now. Yeah. A lot more people are starting to run 30s. And and some people are actually even running like a mixed setup, like a, a 25 up front and a 28 in the back yeah. or a 28 up front and a 30 in the back based on the kinds of riding terrains. Are you guys going to go wider? And would you consider doing that, I don't, I don't want to call it a mullet setup, but the, the mixed uh, tire width? I think the mullet setup is um, it's actually very... I think it's a smart setup because if you think about it from like an aerodynamic standpoint, mm-hmm. you do want a more narrow wheel up front. And then like by the time the wind gets to the back wheel, it's not a big deal sure. to have something wider. And then you got extra comfort. Yep. So, I mean, from that standpoint, sure, mix it up. For me, who's not as worried about the speed side of things, like I think I'm running dual 28s right now. Yeah, it's a pretty it's nice setup. Comfy. Yeah. It's comfy. And so would I go wider? Would I go 30s? If I could... I would love to have the option to do it. Mm-hmm. And then if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to race like this, but I'm going to ride. I'm going to do all my training rides like this or whatever it is. So I don't know. Gotcha. What about you if guys? It's, if it's just as, if it's just as fast and it's more comfortable then heck yeah, I would go up to thirties. No I, problem. I don't, here's the thing. Like everyone is like, yeah, wider is faster, wider is faster. And all of us know that that's bullshit, right? Because like, None of us are riding fat tire bikes because they're slow as crap, right? Like the 30s, 30s got to be the ceiling. 30, 32. No, there's there's no specific, there's no specific ceiling. It depends on the course. I need to see date. I I, I need to see rolling resistance in aero data before I would ever convert beyond 28. Yeah, there's a weight penalty there too. I mean, you're carrying yeah. that much more rubber. I mean, it's not like tremendous, but it's still going to have some sort of a, an impact. And plus you've got to like turn that extra weight over. I mean, once you get up to speed, that's fine, but there has to be some sort of a penalty at some point in time. There's a, a line that you cross over where the, the, the gains aren't outweighing the, it, I think it really depends on surface area that you're, that you're biking on. Right. So it's like, if you're on really rough roads, then having something like a 28 or a 30 is faster than run, you know, riding 23s or whatever. But if you're on a track, like a, you know, what do those guys ride? They ride probably tiny wheels at super high pressures. Yeah. So the, they do that because it's the fastest possible setup. Yep. So I, I don't know. I don't think that aerodynamics are, are as big as rolling resistance for most of the time. But, but what about also just all your piece there. tooling around and riding around? I mean, is that something yeah. where you would I'd go big. entertain the thought of running oh, yeah. some 30s on there? Huh? Sure. Good. Cool. Go big. Evan, what are you running on your TT bike? 28s. Are you really? I'm kind of surprised that you're you're rolling with yeah. 28s. I would I would think that like 28 in the back and like 25 in the front would be a, a faster setup. I think Lance is running the, the yeah. 21 up front and the that. 23 yeah. in the back. I think that's what Lance is doing these days. Yeah, Lance like goes, yeah. He, goes, he goes narrow. Yeah. <laughs> Pizza cutters. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, that should be interesting to see. Um, I. I have tried some 30s and they're they're quite comfortable. Yeah. And I've run a, a mullet setup on my gravel bike before too, and I actually kind of like that. And that yeah. was just because I I didn't have another option. But yep. it was a situation where I didn't have the the thin one up front. It was like I had the thicker one up front, which Whoops. was nice because I could 
dig into things a little bit better and it, it was grip, grip and then i just you know it was a 45 up front and a 40 in the rear so it was a bad setup i actually quite liked it um all right the next one and we're kind of not getting in the weeds here but um you're going to see a lot more 3d saddles and you're going to see more options and it's going to be a little bit more commonplace and i think the prices are going to come down are you guys excited about 3d printed saddles no i don't care don't care okay evan I'm, I'm actually I'm actually excited about that. I think it's awesome. Yep. All right. Yeah. Hepler. My undercarriage is made of leather. <laughs> I could ride on a beach ball and be just fine. Uh. <laughs> I'm actually kind of excited about that because they are pretty comfortable. It, it's I've tried a couple of them and they weren't and it was just what we had available and I'm like eh, I'm just going to put this on there see how it felt and it wasn't the the right width and it just didn't hit me in all the right spots so I wasn't super pleased with it but I I know that if I find the right width basically mirroring the particular saddle that I'm running right now and and do the 3D print I think it could be pretty uh, pretty plush and comfortable so so they 3D print these saddles yeah and they do they just take a picture of your of your anus. And then it's like a, is that, do you just, do you just walk into a bike store and just drop your pants uh, and then you're like, and we got gotcha. you. You could, but they might kick you out, but, um, okay. So, I mean, I'm just going to try actually, it. We're all going to the dial cycling this, lab. They actually have this soft mold. You got to take everything <laughs> off, sit on it. And then nobody cleans it after. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to, I can't wait to sit on one of those after Lance has been there. <laughs> oh my God. Saddle talk. <laughs> This has been Tate Talk. All right. Tate Talk. <laughs> no, I think it's a pretty good thing. I, I'm not seeing any companies that are making these custom. I'm sure that's probably something that's out there. A lot of oh, people yeah. are just sure. taking the, the molds that they've used and that are super popular and that have worked really well and just offering up a 3D printed version of them and people seem to be eating them up. The only thing that I don't like about them is when you are riding them on a off-road like gravel bike and if it's like a super wet and muddy kind of thing they will get kind of clogged up with all that stuff so you got to mm-hmm. spray that out really well and if you don't then it could like nest itself in there and eventually start to eat through your your bib shorts and just kind of becomes an ugly mess but otherwise it's a great option but they are stupid expensive are they yeah the physique ones with the carbon rails on them are about 400 bucks for a saddle yeah which is i paid pricey. a lot i think i paid something along those lines for a like custom saddle for my tt bike that i still use and it's just like this guy basically just hand hand makes all these saddles and it's they're awesome Sweet. i love them cool it's good all right the last one and this isn't something that's really going to affect any of us i'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are the e-bike market is just on fire it's just there's everybody and his brother seems to have yeah. e-bikes how are you guys with the notion of having a bunch of kids on e-bikes now and the fact that there's going to be a bunch of kid e-bikes available Boo! hitting the market. Boo! <laughs> Boo! I think Boo! that was, the, that was the, <laughs> I think it could wait, be. Wait, 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 guys. No, no. Okay. 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 Seriously though. Boo! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I agree with Evan. And in some respects though, I do think it's kind of a cool thing, but Damn it, kids, just go ride your regular bike. Now, if you're a kid that lives on the top of a freaking mountain and you've, you ride your bike to work, or not to work, but to school, that might be a kind of little option to have, but I don't know. These things are going to be expensive. Hey, how are we ever How are we ever going to win the Tour de France if kids on tops of mountains aren't riding their bikes actually up at themselves? <laughs> that was what I was going to say. Sep, so. Sep, Sep, Kuss, Sep Kuss is crying at this right now. <laughs> <laughs> can you guys make a case for it, though? Oh, yeah. I can make a case right here. Ready? Would you, would you buy them for your kid? Okay, uh, make your case first and then answer okay. that question. Um, the case is more people on bikes means it's safer on the roads for people. When, when, when everyone knows that there's like, oh, man, there's an epidemic of like – 
13 year old kids on bikes like you have to be careful when you're driving uh-huh. then that's ser- that serves all of us extremely well that are going to be out there biking. would i buy this for my kid Ugh, i would be very hesitant because 13 year old kids like to go super fast and think that they're indestructible and indestructible and they well, don't like to, to wear imagine helmets that you and they can don't put some governors on that you can probably you could tone them down and and i do think my kids are I'm, I'm every parent thinks their kids the one kid that's reasonable and i'm like no my kids are pretty careful but at the same time it's like they get a taste of that like oh i can go fast i'm not gonna get hurt oh, yeah. and then it's just it's it's a recipe for having a, a really hurt child and so the, the, your kids your your kids are so active though everybody in this call your guys kids are so active I am, as a medical provider, way more concerned for incredibly inactive kids becoming more incredibly inactive. Okay, but here's the... Here's I just don't think you're going to take, like, you take a kid that's, like, playing video games all the exactly. time and put him on an e-bike. He's not going to get fatter because he's on an e-bike. It's not like he's going from riding a, you know, he was like, oh, he was doing 100 miles a week on his bike, and now he's on an e-bike, and look how fat he got. That's not the case, Evan. It's going to be the opposite of that. It's going to get people it's a, out. It's a gateway drug. It's it's potentially a gateway drug to get them out there doing their thing. So. Maybe. 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 But, but your guys' generation seem to do just fine with pedal-powered bikes. Why does that need to change? Our, We're our going guys, the wrong our direction. Our generation. We, we're we're bef- going the wrong direction We're here. before bikes, Evan. <laughs> Back then, uh, back then, I think we all just had the steam engine. That's all we had. No, you're old, but um, <laughs> I used to pedal my Schwinn Stingray up the side of mountains pretty yeah, good. So yeah. that long banana seat served me well. But, oh yeah, yeah. I gosh, this is this is a tough one. I'm. You can go both ways. Like, and, and some parts of me agree with Evan, and some parts of me agree with Matt, and some parts of me are like, just have them go ride a stinking bike and fall in love with that and get some fitness. But there's there's a, a place for some of that, and you know there might be some kids that are like Matt said they're they're stuck at home on computers all day and they just don't have any desire because they're going to get you know out of wind just pedaling to the bottom of their driveway, let alone having to go on any kind of a bike ride. But I don't know if it can get some more kids out there and it can raise yeah. awareness like you were saying, then I think it's a good thing. Just got to make sure that they make that next. Just got to be careful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Lance, do you have a do you have thoughts on that? Do you have feelings? I. Uh- I, yeah, it gets more people on bikes. I think it's just fine. Uh, I think the reality of the situation would be that um, most kids would not be on e-bikes because they are so much more expensive yep. than a kid's yeah. bike. Yep. So it would be very few and far between that there would be kids on e-bikes unless the batteries get better, the motors yeah. get better, the prices costs- drop. Yeah. come down dramatically yeah, yeah i agree with that and i think that so. could happen and we might see it on like electric scooters or electric you know i think that there's the potential for the price to drop on these things we'll see yeah. not like the yeah. good not like super nice electric bikes but a lot of the cheap can, can i just say like chinese made oh, bikes yeah. that are just going to be flooding the market yeah. And, yeah. and i wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of kids in the neighborhoods on but them, so here's another point to that is like do they need any bike? I mean, if you put them on a, a mountain bike that's say right. got like a twenty-eight or a thirty-tooth, you know, front chain ring, and you mesh that up with like a cassette that's got a, a ten fifty or ten fifty-two, and you can get those pretty cheap, and the bike doesn't have to be super expensive. That thing can pedal up a pretty steep hill without a ton of effort. Granted, you're not going to be going near as fast, but the kid's still going to be going up at under power, and it's not going to be something like, oh my god, I can't make it. They're I just going to be going really I slow. Think where you live in particular, an e-bike makes a lot of sense for a kid. 
Yeah, but in that same breath, my son was riding his mountain bike yes, all over the was. place when he was, you know, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. And the first couple of times I took him up and, and showed him like the, the path of least resistance to get to where we live. Yeah, we had to stop once or twice, but he eventually got it and yeah. he was stronger for it's it. It's not that the kids can't do it. Yeah. It's just that they don't want to. Yeah. They want the easy, like, oh, I'm just going to press this That's button. That's the issue. Yeah. That is the issue. <laughs> yeah. Because cause here's here's going to be the problem is it's always a gateway with this where we say, well, what about the kids who are, you know, disabled to some extent? Awesome. Great. That is not everybody. No. Yeah. That's not the, the kids that are going to be buying this. And, and this is where I 100% we are, we are just, agree with Evan, it's too. Just moving, it's just moving in the wrong direction. It's this yeah. continued landslide into the wrong direction. I don't want to paint generations with a broad stroke and say, like, you are this, because that's not all kids. But I but do Evan feel will. that Evan these, like, you know, these alpha, generation alpha and the Gen I'm, Zs and even some of you millennials, you need to experience a little bit more friction in life. And you got to understand that things easy. are exactly you don't make everything be super easy and don't like get all you know your panties in a wad just because something's a little bit harder. Know that like after you go through a few reps, it does get easier and you become more adapt to being a more successful human being on all, all, all fronts, whether that be school or education or fitness or all that stuff. It, it nothing worth having. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Nothing yeah. worth having right, is easy. 100%. So yeah, I don't know. That's just my two cents. But can I, you see? Can, can you guys see over my shoulder? Can you guys see over my shoulder? I think Lance is breaking up. I, parked right next to me. A lot of bikes. <laughs> a lot of bikes. Are those e-bikes? <laughs> yes, those are e-bikes. Yes. Get on them. Hey Good Lance. On them. Hey Lance. Lance, I need you to tell him something for me real quick. Boo! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> More right, bikes, guys. more bikes, more people on bikes, I think. so. Right. That that exhausts my list. Do you guys have anything that you've seen for 2024 that you want to bring up before we turn this page? Anything? I'm sure there's lots. Yeah. More, more flashlights on watches. Dude, that is the best thing ever. I can't tell you. I use it every single day, Me too. multiple times a day, every and it's one day. of those things that I didn't know I needed until I had it. I'm yep. like, oh, my God, where have you been all of my life? Granted, we thought it was pretty cool when the, the flash turned into a flashlight on our phones, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, It is nowhere as easy to so use much better and, on and watch. faster yeah. on a watch. So if you don't have a watch with a flashlight on it, go look up whatever brands out there that carry them. It's We've got all the Garmin. Is it's it just Garmin? Garmin really? Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yep, so, good. It's yeah. helpful. Yep. I'm and, hoping more companies just like steal the idea because it's a great idea. And they've got the red light on there as well so it doesn't yeah. jack up your eyes in the middle of the night so you're not stumbling over things. It's awesome. Good job, Carmen. Anything else, boys? <laughs> no, that's good. All right. Let's jump into one last thing. Matt Legrand, you're up first per usual. What you got, buddy? Um, I posted a video about the Garmin Forerunner 265. It's a great watch. It's kind of, I, I wouldn't even call it an entry-level watch. It's for, like, experienced runners, um, but it has triathlon mode for, it has good cycling, good GPS accuracy, good heart rate tracking, all the things. It's got an AMOLED screen. It's really a great watch for 99% of the people. It does not have a flashlight. It does not have mapping, um, but it has almost everything else. And so like, that's a great option for people to consider. Posted a video on that this past week. Go check it out. Um, and then I think coming up tomorrow or soon, we'll just say soon because we don't know when this podcast is coming out, but very soon I'm going to post a video talking about how you should pick a GPS watch in 2024. I did that video last Ooh, year. Yeah. It's okay. You know, we'll talk about like what you should consider, uh, things like price and the activities that you want to do as well as features um, within the video a little bit. And uh, and that'll hopefully give you an idea if you are thinking about buying something in 2024, that might be a good one to check out. So top of the list, next. flashlight. 
I did. I put that at the end of the list. End of the list, huh? Uh, it, uh. it should be at the top of the list. <laughs> They're pretty yeah. sticking close to it. I mean, if it came down to, like, knowing what I know now, and there was two solid watches, and yep. one cost a little bit more, but it That's had a the flashlight. The problem is they cost a lot more. They don't just cost a little bit more. What's the next tier down for a so, watch that doesn't so have... What's interesting is, like, so you have the Epix Pro, uh-huh. which has a flashlight, which is, like... It's like eleven hundred dollars or something. It's ex- like it's probably one of the most expensive watches that you can get. Great sure. watch. I mean, you can get you can get million dollar watches, right? I mean, like Rolex, blah oh, yeah, blah. Yeah. But okay, so so on that side of things, it's dropping the bucket. But um, you can get like the same watch without a flashlight, similar, you know, tech, slightly different heart rate sensor. But other than that, like you can get a very very similar watch. All of those are on sale now for like. Six, cheap six or seven hundred bucks or cheap. something they just yep. like dropped the price on the the old epix gen 2 is what it was called yeah but they also it's basically like the phoenix 7 and the epix gen 2 um any of the ones that aren't pro got a huge price reduction or they're on sale and so is it worth it to get the flashlight oh that's a lot of money to get it but we all love it yeah so, it's it's pretty it's cool. So it would nice. be neat to see that trickle down to some of their lower yep. level watches it will. so and it will i mean as soon as they come out with the next I think I like to think that Garmin looked at the the trends and they were like, "Oh, AMOLED technology is taking off. Like, and put this on all of our watches." And then they're like looking at the trends and they're like, "This flashlight thing's popular. Like, let's put this on all of our watches." Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that's the case. I haven't actually looked at the Venue Three S, but I'm thinking it doesn't have a flashlight. I, a lot of times they'll use the screen. I don't know. Max they'll, open they'll, up a brand new box here with a Venue Three in it. I can't tell if it does or doesn't it have does, that on there. But it does not have a flashlight yeah. built in. But um. I think that they have some other some of their other newer watches are are lending itself towards having that flashlight. It's just such a good feature that mm-hmm. I I hope that that's a trend in 2024. So. Do you think you'll ever see an AI assistant in Garmin watches? I mean, I think that that's probably inevitable at some point in time. They'll probably build that into them. But yeah, because um, I mean, you get Siri inside the Apple Watch, correct? Are there any other watch s- brands that that do have? All the major manufacturers are looking to do some large upgrades to their their assistance mm-hmm. so like siri on the apple watch or siri on the iphone all of those are going to have like these massive upgrades over the over this year probably yeah at least over the next two years for sure garmin i think where you'll see a lot of ai drop is a lot of like the coaching side of things and their their stats within their garmin connect application mm-hmm. um having it on the watch like an assistant on the garmin watch maybe I would, that would be a surprise feature that I would not ha- would not expect. So that would be great. Be kind of cool to ask it questions, get some good data. It would be great, especially if you could ask it questions. I, I imagine that it would be like, yeah, we know a lot about your training. Ask us, you mm-hmm. know, because they do have tons of in-depth information about your training. I wouldn't be that surprised if they were looking at some AI stuff based on like the, you know, feeding in tons of training information from you and then just saying like, you can ask it whatever you want to ask it and it'll answer and. Sure, but I'm guessing that'll be on the phone side of things. Maybe not the watch. Eventually, hopefully, the watch. Yeah. It's just a matter of like most of the watches don't have microphones. They don't have speakers. They don't. They're missing like hardware. But they could do that. Like this Venue Three does have that stuff. So mm-hmm. hopefully, Garmin's on it. Yep. Cool. Evan Price. One last thing. He's turning he's, on his his. He's, we he's, can't in, hear he's, in, he's in the middle of a five hour bike ride he's right now. Muted. Oh, here he is. There we go. All right. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Uh, no, don't got too much. Just plenty of training, but I'm hopefully coming over to campus this or next weekend Yeah, to hang out with you guys for a second. And Matt, we can probably talk about 
maybe doing some oh yeah uh, video like we had discussed with Josh too would be cool. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think um, for sure one of the things I talked about in my video is like trying to do more videos like with people involved and doing things like that because I do think that they're more enjoyable. Um, and I kind of like that kind of like docu style docu style video of like telling these people's stories. So we'll see. Sweet. Have fun. Yeah. Cool. All right. Lance Epler. One last thing, bud. Yeah. Um, I will probably be missing the podcast next week. I am jumping on a plane and flying to the Canary Islands to Tenerife with coach Ian Gibson. So I'm spending next week cool. in Tenerife, uh, climbing up and down Evan, Mount T-Day. Evan, that was your plan. That was your cue for your booze, the, the e-bike yeah, level booze. It. Boo! <laughs> I, I actually am just incredibly jealous of you, Lance. I can't <laughs> boo that. That's awesome. I will, I, will, I will be very jealously like tracking you then. <laughs> you know what? What's kind of funny, uh, Team Ineos is doing an elevation camp while we'll be there. So they'll be most of the team will be on the island uh, as oh. well doing a team camp. So maybe we'll run into them. Please just like try to run them down and to just film it. Just just to give yeah. us an idea of what it looks like. Chase down Gertaint and yeah, be like, Gertaint, Gertaint, we talk about you all the time. Your biggest fan. Be my friend. All right, my one last thing is we do have the Michael Myers Memorial Time Trial coming up on March 9th, which March is a 9th. Saturday, and it is uh, full steam ahead. Everything's in place. We just launched the the first, like, hey, put this on your calendar this week, so um, you'll be seeing a lot more information coming down the pipeline on that. It's going to be a really fun event. We've been already working really hard at bringing on a bunch of different uh, sponsors and partners so we can get a ton of uh, prizes for the raffle we're going to have an awesome silent auction this year um, all of the proceeds will go to benefiting the uh, the dialed cycling team's uh, juniors program and some other initiatives that we're working on like the bikes for kids community um, outreach program that we do buying bikes for less fortunate kids it's going to be a fun time e8 is going to be doing the chip timing again we're going to just try and build off of the last two years and make it a little bit better so we're pretty excited about that it's going to be a fun race hopefully we'll see everybody out there fantastic yeah all right on that note i think we are uh done put this thing on ice <laughs> get it ice we're on ice we got plenty of ice <laughs> and we will be back next week with another one of these and until then bye for now Phrase of the day is, shut up, Evan. <laughs> What's everybody drinking today? <laughs>